Hey, local listeners, this is your host, Rob Gohansky on Local First Podcast. Hope you guys are doing well out there, staying tight, keeping yourself busy. Right now, we have more time to do things than we ever did before. On today's show, I want to introduce you to a former CPA, now life and weight coach, Laura Dixon. Uh, she has an incredible story and in how she is helping individuals, and she's going to tell her story of what she's done for herself and use that as part of her passion to help others. A couple things that we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about severe anxiety, the scared brain, uncertainty, and our mindset. Let's dive in. Hi, this is Rob Kohansky, your host of Local First Podcast, connecting local businesses to your community. New episodes drop every Thursday at 3 p.m. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app to make sure you do not miss an episode. I'd like to just take a moment to recognize our sponsor. Does your business software make less or more work for you? Think possibilities, think exacta. Enjoy the show. Hey, Laura, how are you doing today? Good. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's been it's a pleasure. I mean, it's, it's exciting to have the conversations online and sharing right now. Um, if you're listening to this somewhere in the future, we're in the middle of a pandemic in the middle of 2020. And instead of having my new studio, it's all nice, all redesigned, hoping to have people in here. We're, we're doing this virtual Zoom. Yeah, I know. I was actually looking forward to coming to see it because I have an in-home studio and I was like, oh, this will be so exciting to go see a quote-unquote real studio, but so and much it, for that. Yeah, well, eventually, eventually you'll get to come in. And since uh, we moved from Brookfield to Innovation Park in Wauwatosa, I was able to redesign everything. And it's awesome, but no one can come in here. <laughs> <laughs> Just for you. It's, it's just for me, pleasure. but you know, we'll, we'll get past that. All right. So, you know, this is all about Laura Dixon. And what was the name of your company, Laura? It's Laura Dixon Coaching. Laura Dixon Coaching. Okay. Creative, I know. Get that. So before we get in what you do in helping others out, you do some amazing things that I see out there. How about a little bit of background? Listeners can get a little bit of background of who you are and how did you get to where you are today. Yes. So my name is Laura Dixon and I am from the Milwaukee area, born and raised here, but I really started out my career, my professional career as a CPA. I was always very analytical and really gravitated towards that profession. And I worked a lot of hours and I was in public accounting. And then I ended my career as a director at a Fortune 500 company here in the Milwaukee area. And throughout my career, what I found is that I really turned to food when I was stressed. I had severe anxiety as a child and into my young adult and kind of into my late 20s and I didn't know how to deal with it and so I dealt with it with food. And so working a lot of hours in public accounting and then having severe anxiety on top of it, like I just kept turning to food and so I had put on weight and so it started from a vain reason of just like purely wanting to lose weight and purely wanting to look different. And then I really struggled with my weight, with my relationship with food. And to me, I, because I do have a very analytical mind, I used to think like, 
it like it should be simple. Like I'm pretty great at willpower. I'm pretty good at my career. I was very successful. I was like, I can work really long hours. I can do all of these hard things. Like it should just be like calories in, calories out, right? Like the typical thing. And so what I found was that that even that didn't work. Like I was, I had kind of have a little bit of an obsessive personality. And so I would like count calories to like the minutia and I still couldn't figure out how I couldn't, why I wasn't losing weight and keeping it off. So really I then went to work to really, and by work, I mean like mental work to really find a way to change my relationship with food so that I was able to lose weight and keep it off effortlessly. Like I would see these people eating and like they would eat a bite of cake at a restaurant and leave it, or they would go to a party and like not really eat much food. And I was like, who in the world are these people? Like how, like they just don't, it's just not a big deal for them. And so I was looking at these other women thinking like, they just think totally differently about food than the way I thought about it. And so that really kind of catapulted me to go on that journey for myself to really learn to lose weight in a way that wasn't a diet because I'd tried all the diets. Like I did, I did some crazy diets. Like I did raw food where you only eat raw food all of the time. And they're done that. Yeah. <laughs> to keto, which yeah. is like very different. Right. <laughs> and so all the things in between, I mean, I did juice cleanses. I did any, anything out there that anyone ever suggested. I trained for a marathon. I just like, was like, I'll try anything to lose weight. And it was exhausting because it required a lot of willpower. And so then I really decided I want to lose weight and keep it off in a way that makes sense and in a way that's long-term and in a way that doesn't require me to rely on willpower for the rest of my life because that sounds brutal. So I became obsessed. I took kind of that obsession with um, counting calories and took that obsession really to like reading books and podcasts and all of that. So then I lost uh, about 50 pounds myself and I kept it off very easily um, for several years. And then I have a, two kids. I have a two and a half year old and an eight month old now. And it was very easy for me after kids to lose the weight again. And I thought, you know, when you hear people talk about starting businesses and really venturing out on their own, they, they often talk about like your own superpower is something that is just so easy for you. You don't even think of it that way. And I remember listening to someone, I don't even remember if it was maybe Expert Secrets, and he was talking about that superpower. And I just thought, you know, that's so interesting because now it is so easy for me when it used to be so difficult. And so then I went through some certification processes and then I decided, you know what, instead of being a CPA, I could just help people lose weights because it was the most amazing thing for me and like help all of these people in a different way. And so that is kind of where we got to today. That sounds really cool. So you went from being, you know, going through these steps. What I call when I see this, I was like, you went from being a very resourceful, finding all those this information that you had, and you're adapting to that information, and then you know, taking that, adapting through this entire process, all these different things, and finding out what works for you. Yeah. And it sounds like as a person, you're you're just like totally resilient, and then taking that from there, and then engaging with others and sharing with it. Yeah. And it's, 
It's so interesting when you just said that because it made me think of something else. When so many clients that I work with will want to say, you know, well, just tell me what to eat. Just tell me like the exact thing you want me to eat. And what I will, what I help them do and is what I did with myself is we know what's best for us and our body when we're aware of our body and when we really tune into it. And it empowers people in a way because if you're someone that struggles with your weight and you've kind of always been looking to something outside of yourself and you're able to turn into yourself and really ask yourself what is best for me and kind of answer those questions for yourself. And then you're able to lose the weight and keep it off kind of no matter what happens, but it goes so much more beyond that. Because now even in my own business, I can look at things like losing weight and I use some of those same tools to lose my desire for alcohol. So I uh, really help people lose their desire to overeat so that they don't even want to overeat. And then I just was like, you know what? I did that with food. I wonder what it'd be like for alcohol. And so I was just like, hmm, I don't know. We'll try it. So now like I have no desire for alcohol. Like overeating and, and drinking to me, like my desire for that is kind of like smoking a cigarette. Like it just doesn't, it's just like not even there. But my point is, because I was able to do that with food, I have so much confidence in my ability to do kind of whatever I want to do because I was able to really like be aware of what works for me and not kind of turn externally. And so what I see when I'm working with people is it is about eating and it is about their relationship with food, but it is so much more about how that person processes their decisions. And so when they're able to really take a look at their own decision-making process and how they think about those things, they then can not only change their relationship with food, but then they have that kind of meta skill to do it in so many other areas. You you keep that you keep that into people being resilient and, and being able to bond. Now, I, I don't want to bounce back, but bounce forward. Yeah. And learning these types of things, you know, describe something like that in a person or in a story where, you know, someone, it was just like, you know, being resilient and taking what you learned and be able to move forward. Yeah. So both with myself and with my clients, like I have one client, I'm just, that came to mind when you said that. Um, And she really struggled. Her name is Rachel and she really struggled with, um, binge eating. And so, right. So she'd had this history and she has this story that she's been telling herself and I struggled with binge eating as well. And so you kind of get to a place where you're going along and everything's feeling great. And then you maybe go back and you binge again. And so I, she had been, you know, feeling great for a couple of months. And then she found herself like driving through a McDonald's, eating all the food, coming home, eating all the ice cream, drinking a bunch of wine, like doing kind of just being like, I totally binged. And what is so different after kind of working with her and talking with her is instead of sitting in the self-loathing and the guilt and the shame and kind of piling on top of that, which then usually perpetuates kind of a binge restrictive cycle is that they'll feel really guilty and then the next day they'll restrict and then we'll binge and then they'll restrict and binge. Is that she was able to say to herself, like, instead, could I just have some compassion for myself and understand like, look at all of this that was happening in my life and look at all of these thoughts that were going on in my mind. And yes, I binged and I did something that I, uh, you know, maybe wasn't, wasn't a preferred result for me, but how could I use that? And then really ask myself, why did I do that and understand why I'm doing that so that it, 
it prevents me from doing it in the future. And so really turning inward and really seeing like, why am I overeating? Like, what are the thoughts and feelings going through my body that cause me to want to overeat? And then how can I understand those and have compassion for myself in a new way? So that instead of beating myself up, I then have the confidence and kind of, I always tell people like, it's like you always have your own back. And so you have that resilience of no matter what I do, I have my own back and I'm not going to beat myself up because we think sometimes, and I used to be this way, like I'm really hard. I'm like for sure my worst critic, but when we are beating ourselves up, it feels kind of productive. Like it feels like maybe that's something I should be doing and that's going to help me get to the results I want. But actually the opposite is true because when we're able to have compassion and love for ourselves, we're able to use all of that to build up the resilience and to build up the confidence to move forward and get closer and closer to the result we're trying to create. I love that you say that in a way that you you told that story of, of doing that. And I, I struggle with myself doing that is um, celebrating small successes. Mm-hmm. And I always think it's got to be something big that has to happen during my day or in my life to celebrate or do something, even if it's like that. So I would, even though I would have a great day, you know, regardless of it be at work on the show or regardless of what I was doing. And it, I would just, just put it away. Wouldn't even think mm-hmm. about it. Like, well, that's, that's, I think about, well, that's what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, until I get that to that big goal or that like that, yeah. I don't celebrate those small ones. And I equated sometimes too, as, as um, I worked in um, some adult family homes in the past. And what I saw in there too, is that, and I see it with, you know, um, with people that take prescription drugs um, that are alcoholics, drug users, that they stop, they feel better. And because they feel better, they go back to, mm-hmm. well, I don't need this, or I shouldn't do this, or I won't want to do this. And, you know, I've seen that in the past where it's like, okay, I'm feeling better. I don't need my medicine. Or, hey, I'm feeling better. It's time for a drink. Or, hey, I'm feeling better. I can go back and eat something better and yeah. do something like that. Yeah. And it, that's something that's, you know, it's, you gotta be, if you're not aware of it, you know, I'm thankful enough that I get to talk with enough people like yourself. It's reinforcing all the time. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, this is my own little counseling session. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, I know. Cause I don't know about you, but I used to think like, what in the world is wrong with me? Like, no. why can't I just like be normal about these things? And the more people you talk to, it's like everyone, whether or not it's food, everyone has their thing. You know, some people it's Netflix, some people it's Facebook, some people it's gambling, some people it's, we all have ways that we try to escape from our own life. Right. Uh, and it just takes a takes a different form for different people. It really does. You know, when you one of the things that you wrote down and on your notes that you gave to me is the scared brain and yeah. likes to be scared. That that yeah. kind of what is that? It was like the scared brain, you know, explain mm-hmm. that to me. Yeah. So I think especially, so as you mentioned, kind of when we started, right, we're in the middle of this pandemic. And I did a talk recently for a woman's group about kind of the brain and where it is and why it likes to be scared and stressed out a little bit. And so I think about, and I think for me, it was really kind of calming a little bit to realize 
that nothing's gone wrong, that our brain was designed to scan for threats all of the time. Like if we think about how we evolved, right, as cave people, like our brain was designed to scan for these threats mm -hmm. so that it was able to protect our life and we could take action and we could run away and we could do different things. And so now we still have that brain that's scanning for threats all of the time and it latches on to these threats, whatever they are. And so right now when we see Facebook and we see the news and we go online and we talk to anyone, like our brain has no desire to latch on to anything that's positive. It just sees all of these negative things. And because it's so, it feels very productive to our brain to be afraid because it associates being afraid with then kind of taking a response and getting out of danger. And so what, especially when they look at even, you know, news outlets, the news outlets in the past that have promoted much more positive events and much more positive stories, they don't make nearly as much money. And right, that's nothing against the news outlets. Like they are in a business to make money. And so I'm not saying that they should, you know, just pro bono do all these positive news stories. But they know that because our brain is programmed to be driven to negative events that feel really scary. And so like you turn on the news right now, and I even, I did this a couple weeks ago, I went to a conference in Dallas and on my flight there, it was the day I think the World Health Organization declared it a pandemic. And she had said the day before, even that morning, I think like it's on, we're still doing it. This was kind of before it had gotten, you know, maybe as serious as it now is. Mm -hmm. And then during the flight that I was on my way, she canceled the events and I was down there. So I landed, look at my phone and I was like, what the, <laughs> I was like a little PO'd for a minute or two. And then I was like, you know, I don't know what all is going on. I'm sure she has a good reason and all of those things. But I ended up deciding to stay down there for the two days. And there were a lot of other people that I was going to be there with. And so we, you know, were able to bond and get together. And so it was great. But I found myself, I don't typically watch a lot of the news, but I found myself watching the news and being on Facebook at the same time. And I man actively manage my mind and like, right, I know all of this. And after about 15 minutes, I was like, oh my gosh, I think, right, like the world is going to end. And it's just like, I saw myself go from there's no problem to like, I might die like tomorrow, like really quickly. And it's just because my brain like is so programmed to want to spend all of this time on being scared and like finding any threats. And so you can see it so much right now with everything going on that it feels very productive to be sitting and being scared all of the time. And a coach I work with, her advice was, you know, yeah, we can go to that place and we can go to the worst case, but you have to just give equal airtime to the good stuff too. And so if you're going to spend the time in the negative, you have to at least give equal airtime to the positive as well. You really have to. And I think that's so important that uh, you can get caught up, especially now when you're not supposed to be going outside and not supposed to be going anywhere. And all you have to do, all you have is, your TV, your internet and stuff like that. And, you know, and I've, I found for myself is to get away from that is to do more, be more active, mm -hmm. do things like this on zoom or, you know, have conversations with people that 
I might not might not ordinarily ordinarily have if I was just doing a, a different networking event, because right yeah. now I'm talking to people all over the country and networking with people all over versus the person down the street or the chamber of that or things like that. So that's really mm-hmm. be helping out. Uh, what I like to do right now is I want to thank uh, Exact Corporation for being my primary sponsor here and set me up with this cool studio. Think possibilities, think exact. So the next thing I want to talk about is the the mind or the um and we'll get in a second here is severe anxiety because when you talk about you know watching the tv and seeing all this stuff like that you know how does that anxiety build up and how does that translate into someone you know overeating or doing something to an extreme because of that yeah so as i mentioned before i had really bad anxiety as a kid and so i was a kid that would like tie my shoes 20 times so that they were like the perfect exact tightness. And I would get something on my dress as a kid at school and like have to go home because I couldn't have a spot on my dress. And I would spend, you know, a half an hour at night walking around the downstairs of my parents' house being like, I got to make sure everything is locked and there's nothing under the couch and there's nothing. Like, I don't even know what I was looking for. A person, I have no idea. Like, and, and what am I going to do when I find this magical mystery person at 10 right. years old? Right. And so, so it was just this perpetuation in my mind of all of these just really daunting thoughts and it ended up manifesting itself in physical ways and I would have muscle spasms and like really bad um, kind of tremors in my legs and so I was hospitalized and no one I knew it was something in my mind And I don't know if you have anxiety or have experienced anxiety, but how I describe it to people like my husband who is so wonderful and he tries to understand, but he has no idea. (laughs) And so when I've explained it to him, I've said, it's like this extremely high frequency going through your body. And it feels like you would just do anything to step out of your body and just go away for a while. And you'll come back when it's calmed down. Like, And so that is kind of what a panic attack is like, right? It just, it becomes so overwhelming that you would just do anything to escape it. And then your body has a physical response. And what happens with anxiety and with me and with my clients is because we don't know how to manage our anxiety and we don't know what's causing our anxiety until we become more aware of it, that because it feels so uncomfortable, because the emotion of anxiety is so discomforting, we then will like do anything to escape it. And so we'll eat, we'll drink wine, watch TV. I used to do all three at the same time. That was like my perfect little concoction. Like I'll have my couple glasses of wine and eat all my snacks and watch TV. And it just allowed, it gave my brain the escape. It was like pushing like that easy button. It's, I don't know if it's a staples or whatever. Like it's just like, burp, we're going to tap out here for a second. And it allowed it to kind of have a break because I didn't know how to manage it. And so, and even now in times like this, whether or not someone struggles with food or alcohol or social media, that when we don't understand that our anxiety comes from our thoughts And so our thoughts are producing the feeling of anxiety. And so what happens when you get high anxiety is we haven't understood what thoughts are creating the anxiety and we're not willing to kind of process through it. And so I help my clients and I myself 
process through the anxiety. And so I describe it. It's a little bit, it's the difference of if you think about driving a car and you're driving a car and the anxiety is in the driver's seat and it's got the GPS on and it determines where you go and it turns on the radio station. It's the difference between the anxiety driving the car and the anxiety just being in the back seat. Where it's like, I'm not going to try to kick it out of the car because then it just builds and builds and builds, but it can be in the back seat and it can be here and I can feel anxious, but that doesn't determine where I'm going in my life. It doesn't determine and drive my whole day, which is how it used to. I am able to sit with it and process through it. And when we're able to process through it without it building and building, we no longer have the desire to escape from it. And so when I'm helping my clients, especially with food, is that if you no longer need and have that like really sense of urgency to binge because you're feeling anxious, because you're able to process through your anxiety, the desire to overeat and the desire to binge and the desire to do whatever you, you don't want to do, it goes away. Does that help you with when you're talking about that? Does that go to you know, the, the mindset of what you're doing and why you're doing it? Yeah, so it goes through, so I use in my coaching, it's something called the model, and it is, was developed by Brooke Castillo is her name, and she has the life coach school, and she really, the way she describes it is, it isn't something she invented, it's just a very simple way to see the way the world works on paper. And so how it, how she describes it is we have all of these external circumstances that are out of our control, things that people do, things that people say, um, the weather, right? All of these things that we can't control, but then we have thoughts about all of that. Yeah. And all of those thoughts produce a feeling in our body. And that emotion, which is an actual vibration going through our body, then we take action from there and all of those actions create our results. And so what most people miss is they miss the thought between the circumstance and the feeling, right? So people will say, well, the pandemic is making me anxious or my boss is making me anxious or I'm feeling stressed because my husband said these words to me. And what we so often miss is that we have a thought in there that's causing that feeling. And when we I was just watching a documentary recently and they were really describing when your neurons fire together, when you have that thought, it then produces a chemical release and peptides that go all throughout your body that that thought creates a feeling that then is the sensation of the feeling, right? And so we so often miss that we have a thought in there between the external circumstance and our feeling and if we are able to identify and see that we have thoughts that we then can choose and we have power over and we have control over, that then it empowers us in a way that we don't have to try to change all of the external circumstances. We can actually start to just change our brain and our mind. Because for me, with anxiety, it was like, well, I guess we'll just wake up today and see what the world has for me, which is a very disempowering feeling because then you have no control over it. But once I was really able to understand, well, I could actually manage my thoughts to help not only reduce the anxiety, but to be okay with the anxiety. Like then is when I saw it take a significant plummet in my experience of it. 
And I like that. And when I, when I hear you talk about that and, and making those changes and, and having the power to go from, you know, being, being, having that anxiety to being able to recognize it and do something about it, it reminds me of almost like working out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Working out your muscles. And at first it's, it's hard. You don't want to do it, but then it's all, okay, I'm getting used to it. And your body gets used to it. And you have the muscle memory and then now you're, you, you have a constant path of what you're doing. And yeah. How you're doing it. yeah. And then that becomes your new normal. Right. And then it's like when you kind of just don't work out for a while, your body's like, Oh, Ooh, yeah. That? And it, that, that's, that's that trigger going, Hey, <laughs> go for a walk, go do something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. what has you fired up about the future? What has me fired up about the future? Yeah. So, yes. yeah. I think, especially right now, it's so interesting because I think people and humans are so intelligent and we're so creative that while yes, right, there are a lot of terrible things going on right now. Mm-hmm. I think especially about the pandemic and then I'll talk a little bit more about my own future. Like we're going to see so many amazing things come out of this in addition to the negative things, right? Like, yes, of course there are negative things and there is a lot of sadness and there is a lot of disruption, but I think we're also going to see all of these crazy, amazing things that we didn't even know that we wanted in our life as humans. And I heard someone describe once, you know, the only difference between you and me sitting here talking over Zoom and we've got microphones and you're in your studio and someone's going to be listening to this on their iPhone. The only difference between all of this and cave people, like not even having a house, is a human brain. Like, and we all have human brains. And I think just like the power of our brain and our ability is so exciting that we really can create what we want. And I remember hearing that as a kid. And it's also interesting to me because as a kid, you have this big grandiose vision of your life. Like we dream and I had all these plans and all of these things. And then somewhere along the way, I'm not sure what age, but it died. And it did. Probably like middle school. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, what? What? Real world? I don't know about this thing. But I think coming back to that and really seeing that, like, wait, you can actually create something different for yourself. Like that to me is super exciting and not necessarily even knowing exactly what that might be 20 years from now, but just knowing that I can create what I want and I don't have to feel stuck if I don't want to. That's cool. And and, and I remind people that are listening because you can do this at any age. Yeah. And it, you don't have to be young. You can be old. You can be any part, part of your life. So how does the listeners that are listening today get in touch with you and have, start that conversation? Yeah. So I also have a podcast. It is called Weight Loss for Busy CPAs. And you can also reach out to me. I have my website is lauradixoncoaching.com. And yeah. All right, so we're going to get into the final segment here and have, uh, as if we weren't having enough fun already, uh, we're going to even have some more fun. We have some rapid fire questions that we're going to go through and just, just whatever comes to your mind and do that. But before we do that, um, you get to ask me any question and I will do my best to answer it. Yeah. 
What's your favorite attribute about people that you talk to? On the um, podcast? You know, on the podcast, the favorite attribute is just being open and sharing their stories. And, you know, I'm, I say this probably about every other, every third uh, episode is that I personally, I love doing this, but I learned so much from you sharing your story with me. And that, that means a lot for you to open up and share, you know, what you've gone through to where you are. And, and I, I, I don't take that for granted. And for people to come on the show to open up and be able to, you know, share their, their, their experiences with me. And there's so, there's such a wide range of people that come on the show. Uh, but I would say that was probably one of my favorites is being able to have that openness to be able to share, not only with me sitting here, but with the world, because this is going out to the world. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, it's just not you mean here talking in our little close confined spaces. It is today, but, you know, next week or, you know, when this releases, you know, it's, it's open to the world. And that means a lot to me because, you know, you get to open up and share those stories and people need to hear them. Yeah. And I love that too, especially like that you have this platform for that because I think genuinely as humans, like we want to connect with other people on the most human level. And it's really difficult when it's, oh, everything's fine and great. And I have like my perfect Instagram and all those things. And you know, it's, yeah. Not always that way. <laughs> no, it's like we all have the 50 50. Like, oh my God. Yeah, I, you know, I, that could be a whole nother episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So it's my turn. If you could have dinner with any two people, who would they be and why? Right now, my answer to that is Brooke Castillo. So I mentioned her earlier. She's been a big mentor in my life. And the other person right now, I think it's funny because it probably changes, but maybe Frank Kern, Uh, he is, I'm in one of his courses and like, he just seems like he has so much fun. That's cool. That's cool. So, all right. So the next one, we just passed Easter. Did you have a Zoom Easter or how did you connect with family? We had a pretty mild Easter, so we did some FaceTime with my family, and we did a little Easter egg hunt for my toddler in the yard, and that was, that was kind of it. That's nice. I was yeah. like, probably my first years, I, I look forward to it, but I was like, I didn't get to see my daughters, and we, so we did a Zoom conference and you know, sat down and chatted for, um, for about an hour or so, so that was pretty cool. All right, so now we're going to get into some goofy questions here. I'm sorry about this, but it does happen. Uh, name two or three of the seven dwarfs. Goofy, sleepy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> grumpy? I love it. Yeah. I don't even think yeah, goofy is good. one. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Oh, let's see. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. Uh, Godfather or Star Wars? Neither. Neither. Star Trek. Star Trek. There you go. What up? What? Uh, uh, what series? Um, I don't know if I remember, but he, the bald one. I was younger. Oh, um. Okay. With uh, God, the, the red suits. The next generation. 
I think so. That sounds right. They had the Borgs and stuff in there. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We don't know which one it is. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's see here. Um, how often is it healthy to cry? As often as you need to. As often as you need to. Okay. Let's see here. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Are rats cute? A what? Are rats cute? Uh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. That's a hard no. <laughs> That's a hard no. Okay. And then we'll end it up on this one. Are you politically correct? No. No? Thank you. I appreciate I like, it. I like to be politically nothing. Politically nothing. <laughs> Laura, I appreciate you being on the first podcast. I had a great time with you. You have so much to share. Uh, make sure that you guys that are listening and gals that are listening, that you reach out to Laura, uh, listen to her podcast, reach out to her on her website, you know, get more information and just connect. Um, same, same here with me. If you have any feedback, um, I always ask this at the end of every show, just share it with one other person. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah. You can always find me on just about all the, uh, social media platforms to search for local birth podcast. I appreciate you guys. Uh, thank you so much, Laura, for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me.